Welcome to the show again. Whatever you are doing at the moment, wherever you are, it's exactly where you're supposed to be. Thanks for joining. So before we get started, how do you like my blouse? I have to tell you, as always, my wonderful clothes come from Betty Ryder at Preston Center. Just go in the red door. All right. So let me just start with sharing a little bit about why this vlogcast, I'm now calling it, because it is video and audio vlogcast, why I started it. Here we are in four years, thanks to you, my wonderful audience. And I'm so excited that we found out that the audience um, viewership has completely doubled and growing. So here's my ask though. So many of you are watching and listening but no one's hitting that little red button. And you know what? That's called Google juice and I need it. Would you just hit the red button and subscribe and then you won't miss any. All right, let's talk about the show today. I have with me Drew Myers, who's the author of the funniest but very serious book called, can you see this? The Tacos and Chocolate Diet. Wait till you hear about this. That in itself is interesting, but what I want you to know is the book is not what you think it's about. It's nothing about a diet, although that diet does sound kind of fun, doesn't it? So stay tuned. Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. Okay, Drew, welcome to the show. Hi, Valerie. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Another podcaster. That's great. Yes, I love having a microphone in my face. So this is great. <laughs> I'm in my element right here. You're in your element. Yes, ma'am. And you know what? You're smiling so big. And I have to ask in that smiling face, what in the heck caused you to write? And what does this mean? The Tacos and Chocolate Diet book. Okay, so my wife joked around when I finished the manuscript that it took me 17 years. What? To finish the book. She said that I started writing that when we were dating. Not a hundred percent true. Not a hundred percent was bad. Not a hundred percent false either. It just took me a long time to finish the book. When I really got into the manuscript, though, I put the tacos and chocolate diet as a placeholder for the title. I was doing a um, gluten-free vegan diet at the time, and I was eating a lot of tacos on corn tortillas with pico de gallo and beans. You and really were. Really were, really were. And I was eating a ton of peanut M&Ms because all of that is gluten-free. Oh my goodness. So I was like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if I wrote a book called The Tacos and Chocolate Diet? I put the title in there, finished the book, and then it was time to come up with the title. And I was like, why don't I just keep that? And I had several <laughs> editors say, no. But really? the editor I decided to go with, and this is maybe why I decided to go with mm -hmm. her, she said, no, that's um, that'll get people's attention. That's Let's catchy. <laughs> I'll bet that. So uh, those authors of out there or wannabes <laughs> come up with something like this <laughs> and you'll have it made. That's, that's fascinating. Um, I know it's a serious book, but I also know in interviewing you, you call yourself witty. What does that look like? You're witty, Drew. I like to think that I'm quick with a response. You ask me, do you mean to tell you what I'm gonna ask you? Nope, just ask me and I'll, let's see how fast I can respond. That's what witty is to me. And I can huh. be funny from time to time. Mm -hmm. People that see me speak say I need to be 
more funny every three minutes to be exact, but I've started to incorporate humor into my, my public speaking as well. So I need to really sharpen that witty mm -hmm. tool. People like wit. They do like wit. And they like to be interrupted <laughs> with wit. How That's about right. that? Okay. <laughs> well, let's just start with the fact that, um, so you got this fabulous college degree in? Journalism. Okay, so did I. That's why I asked you. And then you told me that you had 11 jobs in 11 years. What's that about? When I was growing up, my father said, if you're not happy with what you're doing, go do something else. So I wrapped both of my arms around that and squeezed real tight. And you just weren't a happy guy? What's, what's the deal? I, I would get bored. I would feel unappreciated. I joke around and tell people that I was a millennial before millennials. Before millennials. That's funny. Don't be offended, millennials. No, not at all. It's a, it's a good thing. <laughs> it's a good thing. And I did a lot of different things. I went to school for journalism, so I worked in newspapers for a couple of years. Then okay. I got an opportunity to go back to Midwestern where I went to school and work in the admissions office. Then I said, oh, what do I want to do? This is not what I want to do with my life. So I went and got into football coaching. Oh my gosh, that's I, this and then, then there's this and right. an orange and an apple and a grape. Okay, keep going. Absolutely, but that led me to a tremendous opportunity at Texas Christian University. Mm. Um, I worked for the football staff there. I worked for Coach Patterson. Were you a football player? Uh, in high school, uh -huh. not in college. And yet you're, okay. So now I'm recruiting these student athletes oh. to, to come to Midwestern, uh, to come to TCU. And um, I loved it. I loved getting to know the, the kiddos. I loved getting to know their parents and just, you know, giving them an opportunity to get an education and let us pick up the tab mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. you play football for us. I cool. loved it. So that was one of your 11? One of my 11. And then yeah. I worked my way into athletic administration. I thought I was going to be an athletic director at a major university and I got bored to start and I started my own business. That business failed and then I worked my way back into the real world. I mean, it goes on and on and on, but I'm, I'm a firm believer. And my dad told me this also, if you're not, um, nobody consciously makes a wrong decision. Whatever decision you make is the right decision. And for the time. For the time. For the time. I wouldn't be sitting here with you right here, right now without those 11 jobs in 11 years. What did it teach you? Don't settle. Always be growing. That's a huge one. Mm -hmm. And nothing is forever. Hmm. I firmly believe that. My dad told me that when I got out of school, he said, you don't, if you don't like it, you don't have to keep doing it. And that's when he said, life is short, go do something else. Life is short. That's one of your teachable points of view. Absolutely. We're, life is we're, short. We're reminded every single day that life is short, life is precious, and then we need to act accordingly. Act accordingly. What does that mean? Live on purpose. Hmm make the important things important. That's my charge these days when I stand in front of groups, make the important things important. And I added three words to that, Valerie, starting with you. It's so important to make yourself a priority and a lot of people in this world don't for whatever reason. They pour into other people. I mean, they have good intentions. They just pour into their kids or they pour into their work or they pour into their spouse. But at the end of the day, they're empty inside. I'm a firm believer that if you take care of yourself, you can be the best mom, the best dad, the best spouse, the best you know, podcast host, the best producer, whatever it is you do, best lawyer, teacher, but you got to take care of yourself first. We don't do that, do we? People think it's selfish. You know, there's a coach. Now there's a whole coaching industry is fascinating. There's so many different coaches. Um, I don't know, maybe I won't even say how long ago, but this whole wellness coaching mm -hmm. is huge. I'm not one, uh, maybe I should be, <laughs> but just coaching people on, on 
your well-being is huge. Absolutely. Of all the things, before we get into your story, which is a very serious story, so stay tuned. Uh, before we do that, what what is it about well-being that's you've embraced for yourself? I've always taken care of myself physically. Okay. But I haven't always taken care of myself mentally. And we know, this isn't breaking news, that we have... Um, a problem in this country with mental health and mental illness. Mm -hmm. And now we're just now able to talk about it really without uh, being embarrassed, without being um, shy about it. We, I can tell people I've been to counseling. It was the best thing that I ever did. It's probably time for another round of counseling. And we're, we're cutting through the stigma of mental illness. So wellness to me is, is, is all of it. Mind, mm -hmm. body, spirit. Yeah. Um, we have to take care of our, everything about us. Mm -hmm. Boy, I don't know where to start. Uh, on <laughs> hey, this you did show. a great job of doing this, by the way. Thank you. We, we spoke before the show. Yes. I loved our conversation. And you just asked the, the best questions. Oh, you were, you've only been doing this four years. You do a fantastic job. So let's ride. I'm ready for oh, every throw at me. Thank you. Wow. I have to have a cup of, cup of coffee here. <laughs> that means a great deal. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, okay, so this book is really about a lot of your story. Yes, ma'am. And what I'd like to know is just that. You shared with me about your background and all of that, but the main crux of today is you had a rock bottom experience not that long ago in 2019. Yes, ma'am. Thanksgiving of 2019. And what I know, audience, that you're going to hear is that there's nothing that he holds back on telling you. So stay tuned. Why don't you just tell us about it? Um, Thanksgiving 2019, I was in a dark place. I just was lost. I wasn't taking care of myself mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, none of it. I wasn't making myself a priority. And that was having ripple effects, negative ripple effects across my life. And you're married with two children. Yes, I'm married with two kiddos. And that Thanksgiving, my wife took my kids to her mom's house and I was not invited to go. And I was at the house by myself and it was cold and wet and dreary. And I had opportunities to do some very destructive things. Now, I write about it in the book. I, didn't, I don't drink anymore. Um, but I wanted to get drunk that night. But you did drink. I did at one point in my life. Yes, yes ma'am. I, I shut it down. That's a whole different story. Yeah. But that night I just wanted to get drunk and I didn't care if I threw up all night and laid on the bathroom floor. I just wanted to feel something different. Feel numb. But I decided not to do that. Hmm. Also, there was a moment where I stared at a butcher knife on our kitchen oh, island. True. Not, not to kill myself, but to feel something different, to hurt myself possibly. But again, I'm, mm. I have very strong faith and God said, move, move away from that refrigerator, move really? away from that knife. Yes, ma'am. And you, you know, we kind of talked about this. It mm -hmm. wasn't an audible voice, no. but it was that thing inside of you said, move mm -hmm. time to go and you move. Which is how he talks to us. People say, well, God talked to me. No, not really. It's, it's those nudges. Right. I mean, some people, maybe, I don't know. And then there are three things that happened after that silly thing. So minute but they started to change the trajectory of my life. Um, those three things were I went to a turkey trot that my sister puts on in Oak Cliff, Texas. 
she puts it on. They go around their neighborhood. She makes the bibs. It's not sanctioned by any means. She's been doing it for years. I had never gone. I said, I'm going. Okay. Did that. I produced a radio show and podcast that zero people listen to. I know without a doubt, zero people listen to that, but it was important for me to get that out. And I ate four street tacos from a neon green taco truck in Cleburne, Texas, and listened to the Cowboy game. I had $8 in my pocket. They didn't take, they only took cash at $8. So I got four gluten-free tacos and sat there and ate them. Those three decisions right there changed the trajectory of my life. Isn't that crazy? Those three little things. That's interesting. But, but I was making decisions and I was moving forward. I wasn't just sitting still anymore hmm. and feeling sorry for myself. And there was action, there was forward motion. And then it just snowballed after that. It, I gave myself permission to write that book or finish the book. I didn't, I didn't feel like an imposter anymore. And I felt like people could learn from my story. There's so much in your story. Um, but I've lived a blessed life too. That's important to say. Yes. And, and I'm not special. Um, I'm, but I am different because everybody's different, right? We all have our things. What is it about you? You want the audience to know from this show, what's your real message here? Make the important things important, starting with you. Mm. That's it. For a long time, I would do my radio show and podcast and I would say, live on purpose. That's a good charge. Or I would say, life is short, life is precious. We need to act accordingly. That's a good one too. But make the important things important, starting with you is now the umbrella that I work under. And there's so many things we can do, little tweaks that we can make start making ourselves a priority. Okay, so let's go there. Okay. Give me an example because now you're out there speaking and yes, I heard you and you're great, Thanks. by the way. Thanks. And uh, when you talk to people and you hear they're important, I'm sure you ask them questions about that. What do you hear from people? People are minimizing their problems. They're like, oh, it's not that big a deal. It's, 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 you know, so-and-so has cancer and so-and-so is getting a divorce and so-and-so lost a child. My, my, my problems aren't that big a deal. They're just downplaying their stuff. Oh. Well, we need, we have to stop doing that. That is, that comes up a lot. I'm all about not losing perspective that there are people out there that have it worse off than we do. Absolutely. But to downplay our own stuff, mm -hmm. no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. we, we have to acknowledge it and we have to recognize it. We have to accept it. It's about you know, embracing your story, the good, the bad, and the ugly, past, present, future, right? All of it. Mm -hmm. So we can start to fix it. So we can start that forward motion and get past it. What did it take for you to fix it? Started to make myself a priority. Again, that's mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So you weren't doing that at all I, until I, those three I, things? I won't say at all. I, you know, I was running every day. So I, I was being physical. That's probably the only thing I was doing. I didn't feel worthy to pray. You didn't? Did not. Why? Um, why would God listen to me? I'm sinful. So I just didn't pray. I struggled with that. Hmm. Um, let's see. Physically, I was okay. Emotionally, I was a nightmare. Oh my gosh, a nightmare. I was just squashing down everything and just going through the motions. I mean, you pick your metaphor. Um, yeah. So all of that stuff, but the thing that pulled me out of it, you know, the Thanksgiving of 2019, those three things that I did, but when I started to put an emphasis on myself, prayer and affirmations were the thing that really pulled me out of the rut. Talk more about that. I started to pray like Mr. Rogers. What does that mean? 
Well, I saw the movie A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood with Tom Hanks. Great film if you haven't seen it. Mm -hmm. And when Mr. Rogers prayed, he prayed for people by their first and last name, almost like a cadence. And I struggled for praying for me and things that I wanted or needed or whatever I thought. So I was like, well, I can pray for somebody else. Mm -hmm. Let's take me, the focus off me, and let me pray for somebody else. And then that evolved where I could you know, be grateful for things. And I could, if there are things, doors that I did want to open or doors I did want to present, I could start praying like that. But it was starting to pray for people, whether it was my family, um, friends that were going through some stuff, strangers, strangers that I saw on Facebook that maybe lost a parent, Hmm. first and last name, put it on there. And I still do it today. It's in my journal right over there. And then the affirmations, it was just reminding myself that I do make a difference. I am a good dad. I am extra and that's okay that I'm extra. Um, I am funny or whatever it is, just reminding myself of those truths Mm -hmm. instead of the destructive lies that I've been telling myself for a long time. You know, that's so interesting. I'll tell you why it triggers something that happened in a workshop. So as you know, I do a lot of leadership development workshops in companies and uh, mostly on building your brand. And that's about who you are as a person and to your point, appreciating you as the person Uh, and then presence, how you show up and demonstrate all that. So one of the exercises Drew was, I want you audience, uh, it was a workshop and it was emerging leaders. I love working with emerging leaders because they're so hungry to learn and want to be the very best. So I had him take out a paper and pencil and I said, okay, the, uh, the assignment was around feeling more comfortable to walk into a room full of strangers because in leadership positions, you are always networking. You're always forced to go to conferences and meetings and getting more comfortable. And 85% of people hate to do that. That's statistics, all right? So I wanted these, these young whippersnappers to feel good about walking in that room and knowing that they had value. So here was what I said. So just get a paper and I want you to write down everything you can possibly think of that if someone came up and met you and you started having a conversation, Drew, what value would you bring to that person? You all have value. We talk more in depth about that. So write down the value that you would bring if someone would meet you. And here's what I got. Not much. I'm not shocked. And and it was just fascinating. And I've done it many, many times since. And it's the same thing. It's like, oh, I don't know. Back to your whole point. I don't know what value I'd bring, who am I, all of the things you said. Now, does this lead to what they're calling imposter syndrome? Is that a rhetorical question? That's a question. Absolutely. Because if you turned around and you asked them, can just real quick, just write down some things that you struggle with that you're, you know, you're struggling with some negative stuff that you know, the people might say about you, people would, uh-huh. mm-hmm. they can make a yeah. two page list for sure. because that's what they're focusing on. Mm-hmm. Instead of focusing on those values that they do bring, they forget that they are different, that they are special. They are one of a kind. They have so much to offer. They, we forget about that. Or we don't even know it. Don't know what it is. At one point in our life, they knew it. We forget about it though. We forget about it. Yeah. As kids, probably we all knew it. Sure. So this is a common thing, right? Absolutely. So um, 
The other thing you shared with me that was one of your points of view, Drew, related to this, you said, pay attention to how you talk to yourself. Kind of related, isn't it? The affirmations, yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. we're, we're talking to ourselves. We all talk to ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. The problem is a lot of times we're saying ugly, destructive, mean things. And we're starting, if we say it enough, we start to believe those lies. Mm -hmm. So if we re kind of tip the scale and we remind ourselves that, you know, God loves us, that we are one of a kind. And with those truths and affirmations that I just talked about, we start believing those. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to flip it on its head. Yeah. Oh, we'll talk bad to ourselves in a second. Mm -hmm. Think about this. If I heard one of my kiddos, Crash or Eileen, yes, my son's name is Crash. If I heard them say something like, dad, I can't, I can't do that. I'm not smart enough. Valerie, I would grab them, scoop them up and say, oh, Baby, you are so smart. You are so smart. You work so hard in school. Pop, 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 pop. I mean, you would squash that in a hurry. Yeah. Fire extinguisher that, right? Yeah. But we'll tell ourselves in a second, I'm not smart enough. I, I mean, we may not say it out loud, but we'll think it in our head. And I'm not smart enough. I can't, I can't do that. Hmm. And you know, here's something I want to add to that, Drew. I've even struggled with it. As long as I've lived and all the wonderful things I'm doing and loving to do, there are times when I've got that imposter syndrome. So, hey, audience, I just want to put it out there. Vulnerability is good. And don't think, and this is what I'm saying to my audience, don't think that people ever get to a point where they don't doubt themselves or question what they're doing or have some bad conversations internally, right? And our brain is like a computer. Input is input, and you better delete it or it stays in there and grows right. and gets really hairy and ugly. That's right. So what we say, affirmations are really important. What about gratitude when you, when you, uh, this whole thing about I have a gratitude journal or just saying affirmation and gratitude? My whole platform, this is years and years ago, was built on four pillars. And those pillars were um, living with a grateful heart. That mm -hmm. was one of them. One of them was um, being content with where you are. Not satisfied, but content. Content. For where, where you are. Hey, I'm here, right here for a reason. Not looking over your shoulder, not comparing yourself to everybody else, not going on Facebook and be like, oh my gosh, Johnny's doing this, this, and this, and I'm not doing that, that, and that. No, content with where you are. Um, motives are part of that kind of pillar and relational joy. Remembering that it's not just about you, it's about the people that we impact while we're here on earth. So those four things it's built on. So yes, I love, I love living with a grateful heart. I think it's so important. All good stuff. Thanks. Um, I do want to go back and, and just ask you if you're willing to share sure. uh, anything about your childhood. Uh, you talked about your dad and it sounded like you had a great relationship. What was it like to be a, a little kid? I did. My dad was always there um, to say we had a great relationship, maybe a stretch. But we were, I mean, it's fine. My dad's still alive. He turns 83 on Friday. It's it's good. We're, we live 50 you know, 15 minutes from them on the same property. I mean, it's, it's great. Um, but we haven't always seen eye to eye and we've had, had our struggles. Mm -hmm. Um, but I showed my dad grace a long time ago because his dad was completely, um, removed from the situation, emotionally removed from the situation. And my dad has started to break that cycle, but I'm, I'm breaking it in two with you my kids. You just are throwing you know, it out. Exactly. So that I, 
that was something I've dealt with even into my adult life with my father. Um, I write about it in the book. I'm very transparent about it. Um, I prayed about if I should put it in the book, but in chapter two, I talk about the abuse that I suffered as a, as a kiddo. Um, that's came back to me later in life where I started asking questions, putting kind of puzzle pieces together. Okay. I'm going to interrupt. Yes, ma'am. You're vulnerable. Yes, ma'am. How vulnerable are you willing to be um, about that I abuse? Can, I can be vulnerable about it. Um, go ahead. Um, it was a neighbor kid and I remembered certain things, but after it came out, my mom told me other things. Um, for example, um, that one of the incidents that I did not remember is uh, uh, two of the neighbor boys, they chained me to a, a swing set and, and sexually abused me. But it, yes, it happened, but it doesn't define me. Um, I did have to work, tough. have to work through it. And this is probably in the last, oh, eight years that I've really had to come to terms with it and talk to my folks about it. And then, mm -hmm. I mean, to the point where I could put it in a book, talk about it on my radio show and podcast. I want to thank you for that, oh. Drew, because, um, there's too much of that going on. There's just too much abuse. And as a podcaster, I've come to have guests and hear and learn more about at any age, the abuse that's going on and it's got to stop. So thank you for being that vulnerable. You also said, which, which <laughs> one of your points of view was embrace your story, all of it. I mean, audience, how many of you would be that vulnerable that you'd put something in a book that, wow, yeah, but people are experiencing it. And when you speak, and I'll speak for myself, I had a situation in my life. And when I have keynote speaking, I never talked about it. And someone said to me, Valerie, if you don't, you're going to be missing a blessing you could give to the audience because some of them may have experienced some of the same things. I had to give myself permission. You gave yourself permission a lot quicker than I did. But to the point, that's vulnerability is when people started coming up and sharing their stories. There's just a lot of crap going on. Absolutely. Right. And one of the things that I've realized having conversations, we just, I just did a six part podcast series on mental health and it's so important. And there's a whole hashtag movement around this. You are not alone. Mm. Whatever it is you're going through, somebody else has gone through that also. Mm -hmm. And you need to talk about it so that you can impact them or they need to talk about it. So there can be that connection, like people coming up to you and sharing mm -hmm. that, that connection, because there's so much power in not being alone. If you're sitting around, I'm the only person this has ever happened to. That is no, no way, no, no way. Absolutely. There's 8 billion people in this world. No way. <laughs> yeah, I bet there's someone. <laughs> some, has gone through something. Some, exactly. <laughs> but it's, it's comforting to know that it gives you yeah. peace because there's a level of understanding and empathy there that nobody else can wrap their arms around. You know what, Drew? I, I don't know that I've had people on. Well, certainly I've had some, but in different ways. I just thank you again because you're, you're opening up a can of worms that most people <laughs> would look at the can and kick it and say, no, I'm not even going to go there. So I want to ask you a few other questions. That oh, we're getting the note cards out. Let's yeah, go. Gonna, you know, I always I have it. these. Ah, if I have time, I'd just love to ask some of these questions. What's, what's a do-over decision that you've had? 
You'd love to have a do-over. Okay, this came up over the 4th of July weekend. Seriously? Funny, I just, that and was I, the orange one. <laughs> and I made, I think I made my father's day when I said this. If I could go back and do it again, I would have served our country in the military. My really? dad, My dad really pushed me to go to the Air Force Academy, and I was not smart enough to go to the Air Force Academy. I did not have the grades to go to the Air Force Academy. But I would have enlisted and then gone back to school after that. Absolutely. Interesting. I, we live under a blanket of freedom that I had nothing to do with. And I'm so grateful to those men and women who put on that uniform mm. and, you know, fight for our freedom, whether it's, you know, domestically or abroad. Mm -hmm. I would do, I would have done that. Absolutely. I even looked at it in my early 40s if I could still enlist. Really? Yes, ma'am. And you couldn't? You couldn't. There was like one like obscure branch, maybe like the Texas National Guard or something that I could have done. But that's I was that's I was I was packing for boot camp. You let's go. <laughs> Up the boots up. <laughs> All right. What uh, what are some resources that you've learned from recently? Resources. I'm I've been reading a lot more. This is a fun fact that a lot of people don't know about me. When I was in high school, or all the way through kindergarten through twelfth grade, I read one book cover to cover. It was Jurassic Park by Michael Crichton. That's the only book I read, and the only reason I read it is because the movie was coming out. I mean, I have an embarrassing story about when I was a sophomore in high school about to kill a mockingbird. And I thought Scout, the character, was a little boy. And I said it in front of the class. But I wasn't a reader. So now I, I read and I've realized that when I'm reading a book, not on my phone, not on a tablet, not listening to it, I'll do that. But when I'm opening a book and I'll flip the pages, I'm in a good rhythm. Mm. So I'm reading some really cool books right now. I read Bob Tewksbury. Bob Tewksbury was a pitcher in the major leagues. He wrote 90% Mental. Great book, a lot of fun talking about baseball. My son plays baseball. I've been the mental coach for his baseball team. So that was fun. Yeah. And then I read um, Living with a Seal uh, by Jesse Itzler. Like Seal Seal? He hired a Navy Seal to come live with them for 30 days. Amazing. And awesome. I mean, I mean, extreme. What's the name of that book? Living with a Seal. Living with a seal. So it's just love to see that read that. So those are some. I mean, and I everything that I read. If I if I get to the end of a book, I'll have some takeaway from that book. And I reference a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that has impacted yeah. me in my book, whether it's um, I don't know Dale Carnegie or in anybody um, mm -hmm. Tim Ferriss from you know Four Hour Work Week. I mean, I reference them in the book. Mm -hmm. If it, if I it, read that, so I'll keep notes and just finally put it in. In a book. Okay, I want you to read mine. Absolutely. Let's go. Because <laughs> I'm working on my second book now. Are you? And yes. what will it be titled? I cannot say it. I do not want to say it on your podcast. It has a bad word in the title. But I learned a bad word from my mother. Oh, really? Yes. When, she, when we were growing up and she would pull the pots and pans out, it was an ordeal. And they would clatter and clang, 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 clang. She would say this. Ah. Loud. Uh-huh. So the S word. The S word. Okay. So my and it's sugar. Oh sugar. Sugar. Stop eating sugar sandwiches <laughs> is the name of my <laughs> my new book. And it's how we talk to ourselves. That's good. <laughs> Drew, this has been so fascinating. Uh just fun, deep, interesting, vulnerable. I could give a lot of other of other words. But thank you. Thank you for being who you are, for making a big difference in the world. 
Um, you are doing keynote speaking now. Yes, ma'am. I, I read, I, I uh, listened to one of them, and he's really good. I love, I love doing that. Well, you're good. Thanks. I can tell you're good. Thank you. Look how good you are. <laughs> <laughs> and this book is just incredible, The Tacos and Chocolate Diet. So I would recommend that you get it. Is there anything you want to leave with the audience before we say goodbye? I'll, I'll close it down like I closed out my podcast. Okay. Remember to make the important things important, starting with you. And remember, love wins. Mm. I say it all the time. And because I, I believe it in my heart, Valerie, mm. I truly believe those two statements. Make the important things important, and love does win. No matter how dark it is, mm. no matter how, I mean, the shootings in Chicago, the shootings in Uvalde, all this, the Ukraine, the Russia stuff. It's We live in a, in a world where it's a um, little chaotic and a lot of turmoil. And not a lot of love. But love will win, I promise you. Yes, it will. And that's scriptural. Yes, it is. We just focus on that one word, and that's not always easy. Thank you. That's wonderful. Thanks for what you do. Again, you do a great job. Thank you. Thank you, Drew. Oh, wow, audience. Okay, you're going to want to share this one. So when you're watching or you're listening, hit the share button. And for heaven's sakes, hit the subscribe button, too. <laughs> As always, I want to leave you with a Valerieism, and here it is. You can only do what you do if you know who you are, your authentic self. Let me say it again. You can only do what you do if you know who you are, your authentic self. As you know, that's the only kind of people who are on this show, and I think that's because I've had such passion in the 25 years that I've owned and still do uh, our leadership firm. And when I do engagements with workshops or keynotes or coaching, any of the three, what's so important is to help people be authentic. And here's the statistics, only 50% of people are. Isn't that sad? And why is that? Because I think people feel like they should be, I oughta be, I, all those oughtas and shouldas and so forth. Just show up with who you are, and as many people have said, the you, the one thumbprint, nobody else has it. So why wouldn't you show up with it? Are you going to hide it? I don't think so. That wouldn't serve you well. Know who you are, know the value you bring, and put it out there. That's my Valerieism for now. Till next time, hey, I'd love to work with you. I would love to talk to you. So would you pick up the phone or email me if there's anything I can do to support you. Until next time, bye for now. Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, valerieandcompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, Lead authentically.